The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 94 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm Andy Bonello, pinch hitting for George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in the show are my own and not that of my present or past employers. I'll never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I have been privileged to. As as a result of my current employment, I will never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past to the United States government. And nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at the very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and to get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Well, George flew solo last week. He gave me a lot of love for my exclusive with John Frazzini from SSIC and focused on current cybersecurity news. Big news, Russia's FSB getting hacked, the largest data breach in Russian intelligence history. Oh boy, watch out. I worked with the FSB back when I was in the Secret Service. This won't be taken lightly, folks. The hacking group who did this is rightly so laying low. Uh, right? If you, if you never dealt with the Russians um, in this space, boy, you know, the rules are if you... You, hack it, you can hack anybody you want as long as you're not, you're not from Russia and they're not in Russia. So it's going to be interesting to see who this group is. Uh, but this is just a reminder that uh, it's not just companies facing third-party risk. It's governments too, right? Contractors with a weak link in this, in this chain, in this breach as well. George also highlighted the tensions in the Middle East and increasing escalations, including cyber attacks, specifically the Iranian hack. Uh, hackers targeting LinkedIn, basically nations targeting civilians and using social media as a solid hunting ground to fight this fight. Uh, it also sparked a debate on whether the military is as mature as the private sector in protecting data. Um, you know, more to come. We'll see if we do an episode on that. I'm sure it's going to be a topic George and I will discuss for sure. Right, he also highlighted the continued debate on Huawei and China's interest in its Made in China 2025 plan and Vietnam's focus on their 5G strategy and where Huawei may or may not fit uh, into that plan. And he also talked about issues with IoT security, its impact on CEOs and other corporate executives, as well as companies placing the right executives to lead cybersecurity organizations. Ongoing debate on uh, risk-based versus technical uh, and, and people taking their advice, the executives taking CISO's advice, et cetera. George reminded us that uh, security is everyone's responsibility and that intelligence-led cybersecurity strategy and the 360-degree security model is the way to go. So if you missed last week's episode, folks, don't sweat it. Just go to your favorite playback medium, and you can catch it anytime right at the top of your TF7 radio library. That's Task Force 7 Cybersecurity on last week's episode. That's episode 93 of Task Force 7 Radio. 
Well, if you're listening to us live on Voice America right now, or maybe someone just sent you a link to this episode, you might be wondering how you can listen to all previous Task Force 7 radio episodes on playback. Just go to our new TF7 radio website at www.tf7radio.com and hit the episode tab at the top of the homepage, and you'll find all the TF7 radio episodes at your fingertips. You can also search our guest library, which is an impressive list of some of the most prolific cybersecurity professionals in the world. We are on at least 11 different playback mediums now. We made it easy to find them all. Just hit the subscribe button at the top right of the homepage, and you will see your entire selection on playback mediums. And most importantly, you can subscribe to our show right from the TF7 Radio website, which is the best way to stay connected to the TF7 family. This will give you all the TF7 Radio updates right from the site. And as the site gets more robust, you'll get notified about TF7 Extras and Encore episodes. We just had one the other day. It was episode 44, another great one. Um, And you'll get other Task Force 7 news and events and information on the upcoming TF7 Network 2. So check us out, folks, tf7radio.com. To hear any of our episodes at your convenience 24-7, 365, anytime, anywhere around the globe. And as always, whatever you do, don't forget to subscribe. We love it when you subscribe. So we have another great guest for you this week. We're going to have Devin Bryant, the Executive Vice President and CISO for the National IT Organization of the Federal Reserve System and co-founder of the International Consortium of Minority Cybersecurity Professionals, the ICMCP, to talk about diversity in the cybersecurity workforce. Devin's a great, great man. I've worked with Devin for a long time. You're going to love this one, folks. Impressive bio. He's EVP, CISO at the Federal Reserve System, a big job. Real big job. He's responsible for ensuring the Fed's information security policies, architecture, programs, and incident response teams remain effective and efficient. I mean, he's in essence protecting you know, our way of life, right? Prior to the Fed, uh, Devin worked at the, Fort, uh, the CISO at ADP, um, where he led ADP's information security strategy, collaborating across the company's geographically dispersed business operations to ensure coordination, consensus, and, and effective cybersecurity protections across global operations, his extensive government service as the deputy CISO for the IRS, and he began his information security career in the U.S. Air Force, where he served as a captain and lead network security engineer working on systems and programs to protect the critical network and telecommunications networks of the Air Force's Air Combat Command. Devin is also co-founder of ICMCP, a 501c3 nonprofit, which he launched in 2014 and geared toward improving the underrepresentation of women and minorities in the field of cybersecurity through academic scholarships, certifications, mentoring, and networking opportunities. He's got more certs than I care to uh, say on this show. Check out his profile. But uh, boy, we're, we're, we're glad to have him. And so, folks, we got a real treat for you tonight. It's my pleasure to welcome a world-class cybersecurity executive, a great human being, and my friend, CISO of the Federal Reserve System and co-founder of the ICMCP, Mr. Devin Bryan. Devin, welcome to Task Force Radio, Task Force 7 Radio, buddy. How you doing? I'm good, Andy. Thanks so much for having me, buddy. Of course, man. Look, this is a true honor and a pleasure for me. I mean, we've known each other for a really long time. Uh, we've both been fortunate to be on some you know, very successful teams um, you know, you had an amazing career, um, some very high-performing teams, industry-changing te- teams. And uh, listen, I, I got to tell you, the most fun that I've had on teams is when we had the most diverse perspective. Um, and, you know, 
everywhere we've been in our career, I know we've chatted about this a ton, uh, is, you know, having that diverse perspective has been key to our success. And uh, listen, I, I got to understand that you know, we've got a major problem, I think, in our industry around diversity. Um, the statistics in corporate executive levels and cybersecurity are just embarrassing, right? We've got underrepresentation of women at 11%, minorities at 13%. Clearly, there's a diversity problem in cyber, but I really love to get your take on, you know, what's the urgency? Is there an urgency around it and, and how do we solve that? Yeah, I, I would say, Andy, um, you know, certainly I think no one would disagree that, you know, cybersecurity is certainly, you know, one of, you know, the most critical risks we, we face from a national economic and a national security perspective, right? Um, you know, certainly when we look at, you know, the entree of nation state, nation state affiliated actors in this space using and exploiting cyber capabilities, um, whether that's cyber espionage, direct cyber attack, or influence operations um, to, towards seeking political, economic, or military advantage over the U.S., our allies and partners, you know, hard to disagree that, you know, cyber certainly isn't one of the, the number one risks we face as a country. Um, right. At the same point in time, right, you know, to the point you made earlier, certainly a woeful lack of participation, you know, by large segments of our population in women and, and people of color, when you, and, and especially when you juxtapose that against the number of unfilled jobs each year, right? And certainly, again, juxtapose it against, you know, what we know to be, you know, dramatic rise in cybercrime, you know, clearly, you know, that makes a case for some urgent considerations in how do we tackle this problem a little bit differently than how we have tried to tackle this problem in the past, right? Um, the point you made earlier, um, you know, certainly high-performing team um, teams typically constitute, you know, folks from di diverse perspectives, bring diver bringing diverse perspectives to the fight which, you know, include diversity of thought, diversity of opinions, diversity of backgrounds, right? And, and certainly, you know, being all in and making sure that all opinions, all perspectives are being brought to bear and with the cybersecurity challenges as real as they are, you know, we certainly right. have to tackle and approach that problem significantly different than how we've done in the past um, to, you know, try to keep abreast of what the bad actors are doing. Yeah, listen, man, there's no doubt, right? Our nation is, you know, on our attack, right? Critical infrastructure, the way we live, right? And we've highlighted that time and time again on, on this show. And, you know, I think one of the things that I would like to, you know, kind of dig in a little deeper, and we talk about the urgency and, you know, how this impacts, you know, the way we live, but man, you know, the threats are changing so quickly, right? And, um, you know, how do we get how do we change the, you know, the numbers, right? I mean, how do we, how do we improve the numbers, man? Like, you know, I've been, I've been through and you've been through, you know, executive development and, you know, uh, you got all these different programs available to us once you get to a certain level, but how do we change that, you know, these numbers, you know, from the, from the bottom up? Yeah. So 
you know, as as you've accurately pointed out, um, I think you know on CNBC the other morning, um, you know, it was reported that um, for the first time, all of the uh, S and P five hundred companies had at least one female on their boards of directors. Right, yeah. Yeah. that is a significant stat, right? And you yeah. kind of sort of just peel that back a little bit, right? And you go down the line of, you know, you know, female CISOs, right? You know, uh, minority CISOs, and and in yeah. a lot of the circles, Andy, a lot of the conversations that we're involved in at the executive level, you know, it there's usually the only one, the only one in the room syndrome, you know, is real, right? When you look around the room you know, at, you know, some of these executive level, you know, cybersecurity gatherings, you know, there's typically one female, maybe a person of color, right? You know, but to the point you made earlier, you know, how do we change that dynamic, right? We change that dynamic at the pipeline, right? You know, how are we making this career field more attractive for young women and people of color? Right? How are we wetting those early appetites? You know, going back to middle school, right? You know, and yeah. not just attracting, you know, women and people of color, Andy, but the stats about retaining, you know, especially women in the field of cybersecurity are also staggering, right? So, in order for us to address the only one in the room at the CISO level for women and people of color or at the boardroom, you know, for women and minorities, you know, we've got to make sure that we've got a robust pipeline, right? And robust pipeline starts in the middle schools, you know, and high school level, right? I am very encouraged about what I see happening with the Girl Scouts of America, right? So the Girl Scouts of America and their cybersecurity badge program, I see that as a significant step in the right direction towards helping us as the U.S. start chipping away at the underrepresentation of young women in the field of cybersecurity by tapping into that pipeline very early. You know, there isn't such a program, however, for students of color, and that introduces, you know, additional complexities you know, in that regard. But I think one of the biggest thing we need to do um, is to change the perception, change the stereotype of who a cybersecurity practitioner looks like, right? right. You know, it's interesting. I mean, we both do, you know, lots of men- mentoring and I was having a mentoring conversation with a, a you know, a young gentleman, a Hispanic American from uh, Miami the other day. And, uh, you know, finance background, not a cybersecurity background, not a tech background, but finance background. It's like, you know, I think this market is, is so ripe. There's a talent shortage. It just seems so interesting, you know, with not being technical, what, what can I do to break into this market? And I said, you know, don't think of it just as being an analyst, right? Think of it as the cybersecurity industry, this billion dollar, you know, billions of dollar industry, trillions of dollar industry that we're moving towards, right? And there's something for everybody. Right. It's just not about being an analyst and being technical, looking at, you know, stock alerts. Right. There's there's something for everybody um, in the industry of cybersecurity. So I I love where the space is going. um, And I love that you cited the Girl Scouts of America. I think that's a great, you know, use case. Uh, We've got to get we've got to get more of that. But um, well, okay, folks, we got to transition to a commercial break here. So, hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow Task Force 7 Radio, TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram by searching at TF7 Radio. You'll be connected to the extended TF's family and and your favorite social media platforms. For any inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email 
uh, George Redis directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7radio.com. I want to remind our audience that we're building the world's premier cybersecurity professional network, Task Force 7. I'm really excited about this, folks. Tune in over the next several months for more information on this much-needed, much-awaited-for network. We're going to solve some problems together, I promise you. Task Force 7, get in the fight. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with our special guests. Devin Bryan. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Synet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Synet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Synet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Synet, S-I-N-E-T. Account takeover is the fastest growing form of cyber attack. Criminals exploit compromised accounts for financial gain, often causing irreparable and long-term damage to finances and reputation. Many companies think they're protected. They believe using a password manager, multi-factor authentication, behavior-based technology, password rotations, or solutions that scan the deep and dark web is enough. Yet the account takeover problem only continues to get worse. SpyCloud combines human intelligence and automated technology to prevent account takeover for your customers and employees. We recover stolen credentials early in the account takeover lifecycle before the credentials are sold on dark forums. Check your exposure for free at spycloud.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, CISO, Federal Reserve System, and co-founder of the ICMCP, Devin Bryan. Devin, I really love that you brought up the Girl Scouts of America. I mean, that's clearly, you know, a great pipeline for cyber practitioners. I mean, they're huge brand, tons of membership. I, I liked what they're doing there. Um, can, you, can you give me, what are some other innovations you'd like to highlight today? 
Um, yeah, thanks, Andy. So, yeah, really excited about, you know, the, the potential for transformation that, you know, that Girl Scout program will have for young women. Um, you know, but perhaps the greatest innovation that I'd probably cite, and, and you, you do not give yourself enough credit for it. I'm not even sure if you'll remember this, but, you know, as one of the early members, and again, we're just so thankful that, you know, the nonprofit that I, 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 I co-founded, um, when we reached out for folks to folks like yourself to serve on our advisory board without skipping a beat, you know, you raised your hand, said you were all in. But the innovation that I would cite that's going to be really transformational for for to help us tackle this problem is what you did with a young man. Um, Derry Sodongo was his name. I think he was the first yeah. recipient of an ICMCP scholarship award who you met at a, a I think it was an Apple Genius Bar. And he was looking for opportunities to transform his life. And, you know, just based on the conversation you had with him, you know, you, you introduced him to ICMCP. We were able to make a scholarship, a certification award um, for him. And he's going on to do big things with his life. Uh, and, and what that exemplifies, Andy, is that each of us as a current practitioner in our industry have the ability to significantly impact a young life, right? And so, yep. you know, I know you probably have forgotten about that. Well, you certainly have. No, man, it's a big moment, right? I mean, look, I, listen, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I was telling someone the other day, you know, that they, they look at where we are today, right? And, and they forget where no one really knows where we came from, right? You know, and, you, and a friend of mine says, you know, you can't make old friends, right? And, uh, you know, we we're having this and you, you know, you, you and I have known each other for a really long time. And, and, and what I found fascinating was, you know, someone asked me, like, how did you end up in the CISO world? How did you end up even in cyber, right? You were a cop and an agent and got to cyber, right? My path was a lot different. And, you know, where I grew up, the only people that had money were drug dealers and cops, right? You know, so I, I, yeah, right? so I, only, I had people help me along the way. So any chance I get to pay it forward and, and kind of get people on the, on the track, um, I'm, I'm in. And so I appreciate it. I, I remember Derry, he's, he's doing well. Um, every now and then I'll get a note, you know, we check in, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, I appreciate you highlighting that. And, and the key there for me in that scenario was, you know, you had, you just never know, right. People that take the initiative, right. And I think that's yeah. a really big part of, you know, we need to get the message out on people aren't going to just give you something, right. You got to go right. get it. You got to want to at least express yeah. an interest and, Thank and we've got to align go. those resources, you know, at the right time. And, um, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up, but I mean, listen, that only works because the ICMCP existed in the work that you and, you know, and others were doing, um, to have that platform available for me to route, you know, a, a talented individual into it. Right. And so, yeah. um, you know, kudos yeah. to you and, and the team. So, so yeah, let's I, spin it a little I, bit, man, to yeah, the financial so, sector. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, you know, I do want to expand a bit more on the innovation um, point because that's, that's the one you raised. And I'd certainly be remiss if I didn't point out some of the very interesting stuff happening, you know, ac across the industry, but just to finish the thought about, you know, that one individual that, you know, whose life you were able to change, Andy, you know, it, it, it's, it's certainly there's the direct impact that, you know, the programs like ICMCB and others that I'll mention briefly will have on their lives. But then what we do is, you know, we create a ripple in the stream, right? So, you know, you know, that young man will have a niece or a nephew or, and he lives in a community. He will have cousins and relatives and neighbors. 
and they will see him doing big things, right? And they too will want to probably ask, you know, how are you kind of sort of making, you know, how are you growing and how are you learning? How are you, how are you doing so well with your life, right? And what is it that about what you're doing that keeps you so interested and so energized? And that is the ripple in the stream that, you know, by just touching that one life, you know, would have helped to have influenced. And so we cannot under understate, um, you know, the importance of that changing just that one life and the ripple effects that that will have in their immediate yeah. community. But back to the question of innovation that we're seeing, certainly, you know, looking at what's happening with the hour of code, right, and getting getting more of our yes. students exposed to, you know, to programming at an early level. Um, certainly the point you made earlier is spot on in that you don't necessarily need a technical discipline to be successful at cyber, but certainly the programs that Hour of Code, the programs that Girls Who Code are, are implementing across the country, I, find, I see those as, as transformational. Certainly Black Girls Code as well, right? Yes. I see that as certainly catering to you know, the brown community of young women, right? Getting more young African-American women, Latino, Latina women um, into the field um, so they too can learn how to code. Um, I see what Joyce Bercaglia is doing with the Executive Women's Forum as helping to grow the next generation of female cybersecurity execs and decision maker as as very transformational. Certainly Women Cyber Jitsu with Lisa Foreman Jiggets. Based in DC, what they're doing as well, as well as women in women in cybersecurity, right? That program actually predates ICMCP and have been around for a while. So I see those as a lot of those are grassroots efforts, but with this problem being as the challenge, you know, to address the underrepresentation of women and minorities in cyber being so huge, each of these platforms, each of these initiatives, grassroots or not, are really transformational in and moving the needle, right? There are also some interesting developments in terms of legislation that has been passed, executive orders that have been passed specific to cybersecurity workforce, um, some specific cybersecurity workforce diversity that's also intriguing. But I'd say perhaps when we take a look at, you know, where has this successfully worked, right? Um, you know, for, for, for companies, for entities, for countries, actually, to have marshaled the resources of their, across their citizenry to address cybersecurity. You point to what Israel has done with Unit 8200 and how, yep. you know, how recruits were selected and, and, and trained, you know, as a part of the core, you know, um, uh, cyber defense forces, you know, of that country. So there's certainly a number of leading practices that one can look to and certainly a lot of ongoing grassroots efforts that I believe are each individually and collectively contributing, Andy, to moving the needle, um, you know, from addressing challenge perspective. Yeah, and there's some, there's, some, there's some amazing people out there, right, handling it at, and tackling this issue at, at all these different levels. It's, it's great to see. And, you know, for those of you out there listening who, who are not involved, you know, look, at, look into some of these groups. They're just amazing individuals who are leading them. And, you know, we can't thank them enough for, for pushing the, the cause forward. Um, you know, and you mentioned Israel, right? I mean, it's amazing how chock full of talent Israel is and the amount of cybersecurity innovation and the amount of dollars being infused there because of the way they, they, they tackle the cybersecurity, right? It's just uh, unreal. Let's, let's turn though to the financial sector, you know, where, where, where you live, um, you know, Devin, you know, is the problem there more acute or, or not? 
I would say yes. I would say, um, you know, the financial services sector I, I see as um, less diverse than um, the rest of our sectors. Um, and honestly, and, 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 I, and I say that, Andy, um, not based on empirical data, so I don't want folks to challenge me on that. Um, I base that based on, you know, the peer groups that I attend um, at the cyber level, right? Certainly an active participant in the FSI SAC and other related um, communities. And you look around the room at, you know, who are the CISOs occupying these key executive roles in the, within the financial services sector. And I would say that I don't see as many women. I don't see as many people of color in those executive decision roles within the financial services sector. So again, anecdotally, and certainly would need, you know, perhaps an ISC squared or Forrester or, you know, Cybersecurity Ventures, one of these other internet research companies that perform these kind of workforce studies to really dissect that a bit further. But just based on, you know, anecdotal evidence, but based on the interactions I've had, you know, for the years that I've been in the financial services sector, um, I do not see, uh, I think the underrepresentation of women and minorities in key decision-making positions within the financial services sector is far more acute than some of the other sectors. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I've spent, spent some time there, right, in the financial sector, and, and it's interesting. I actually attended a 12-month executive development program for men and minority, right, underrepresented communities. And even within the program, you know, we, because of the way the financial sector operates and some of the culture that exists, we were even still hesitant to recruit our own, you know, friends into coming into, you know, the companies we were in because of some of the culture, right? And so it's very interesting when you have, you know, top talent, diverse candidates for executive roles, and then you go, uh, I'm not sure I want to bring my friends into that environment, right? You know, that's a very telling thing. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we've got to tackle, right? Because, you know, financial sector, and it's so important to the way we live. We've got to have um, that diversity of thought in, in the workforce um, there. So hey, based, on, based on research, man, and speak, you know, I'm glad to get, I looked at your take on, like, what are the benefits of having a diverse workforce? So diversity wins, right? I think, um, you know, certainly the empirical data if we reference the latest um, McKinsey report, um, I think the title was Delivering Through Diversity. Um, they do have some compelling stats in there based on the research that was conducted in terms of companies who are performing in the top quartile, right, based on gender diversity and what the average profitability um, and, you know, was for those companies, right? And the same is true for, you know, companies, also high-performing companies, um, you know, that has a greater percentage of, of ethnic diversity, right? And, you know, based on, you know, that McKinsey report, and there are others as well, right? You know, certainly there's a compelling case, right, for, you know, for why diversity wins, right? And, and you know, we've seen that, you know, we think, take a look at, you know, you know, and we, we other industries as well, um, not just profit-motivated industries, but also, you know, those are more in the public sector, um, you know, but the case for diversity and why that's important and why having, you know, you know, diversity of thoughts, backgrounds, cultural, you know, uh, others, you know, 
where folks can really bring you know different perspectives to bear. I think you know there's certainly a compelling case there that research has proven time and again. Yeah, I mean, listen, like I mentioned, kind of in the beginning, right? You know, the most fun I've ever had on teams were ones that had a lot of diversity on them, right? I mean, it's so fun when everyone's the same, right? And, and then you know, everyone can. The key, I think, right, in, in in having diverse teams and being them be successful is everyone still has to check their ego at the door when they walk yeah. in, right? And they've got to all be behind the mission. So, how, I mean, you've led, you know, diverse high-performing teams. Like, how do you get people um, of any background, right, rallied around the mission and and focusing on the collective goal? Like how, what's, can tell me a little bit about how you, you tackle that. I think the the you know the simplest thing, um, the simplest recipe for success there in leading high performing teams, Andy, as you well know, is that everyone wants to feel valued, right? Um, irrespective of race, gender, religious, sexual affiliation, you know, age, on and on and on. You walk down the various dimensions, you know, uh, of the diversity spectrum. You know, everyone wants to feel valued. Everyone is, wants to believe that, you know, you know their opinions, their perspectives, you know, that they matter, that their voices yep. can be heard, right? And so, you know, as leaders of, of, of teams, right, you know, it's, it's critically important for us that we pull people in and make sure that, you know, they're invited not just to the table, but to also, you know, participate in what's happening at the table, right? Hence the numbers game, right? And having, you know, X percent or having, you know, you know, the, the, the typical, um, you know, allotment, if you will, um, you know, tells one story, but then, you know, and so you might be meeting the spirit, but are you really meeting the intent, right? Um, yeah. You know, so making the folks feel included, valued, and that, you know, they're not just there to meet a quota, but they're there because, you know, their, perspe their perspectives are valued, they're valued, and, and, and that they're actively participating in supporting the mission, driving the organization forward, helping the organization grow, top line revenue. So, you know, that's, that's in, in summary how I would see as kind of, you know, really as, as people leaders, we have to make sure people feel valued and that, you know, that they're included. 100%, man, right? If people aren't buying, if people don't feel, I, mean, I remember when I was in the government, right, in the Secret Service, we didn't care about how much money we made, right? We're on the team, we looked out right to the left, and, you know, we went towards the mission because we felt like what we were doing mattered and we felt like we, you know, we were valued. And it's, it's so true. I mean, listen, and, you know, you served our country, right? Um, you know, thank you for, for your service. Um, thank you for yours. Go Air Force, it. aim high. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me how high the ICMCP is, is aiming. And I know you've, you've mentioned it you know, earlier in the show, but you know, tell the audience a little bit more about the organization. Yeah, thanks, Andy. So, you know, so, so ICMCP, you know, we co-founded that organization, you know, it was actually incubated at RSA, right? You know, sitting at RSA year over year, looking at, you know, the headline and keynotes, right? You know, who's yeah. on stage, right? And then, you know, you attend the sessions, um, you know, the only place you would find a significant representation of women, unfortunately, was at the booths, right? And scantily clad yeah. women, you know, helping to pitch product, 
you know, and, and that is, so, and, and of course, same extends for underrepresented minority groups, right? So, you know, back then, I think this was 2013, 2014 RSA, um, Carlos Edwards um, from the IRS, Larry Whiteside, um, yep. Julian Waits, myself, um, and shortly thereafter, Eric Permenter got together and say, what can we do, you know, to help to move the needle just a little? I mean, you know, we weren't ignorant in thinking that, you know, a startup nonprofit, um, all volunteer led, right, where people are pitching in their nights, weekends and holidays, taking time away from their families to make phone calls, schedule meetings, organize literature, organize, you know, meetups and such, you know, raise money for scholarships or mentor folks that that was going to solve this very difficult problem for our country. But what we wanted to do was to leave this industry, you know, just a little bit better than we found it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, that gave birth to the International Consortium of Minority Cybersecurity Professionals, quite a mouthful and a five-letter acronym. We know we've got problems <laughs> with branding, right? So ICMCP, you know, was birthed on the back of paper napkins at RSA, um, to tackle a social cause that each of us as co-founders, you know, we're, are, are so passionate and so committed about was, you know, what can we do to encourage the participation by large segments of the U.S. population um, and international population, quite frankly, that right now are excluded from the opportunities, um, you know, within the field. And so we've been truly blessed. You know, again, as I mentioned earlier, giving you kudos for one of those who quickly raised their hands to say, Devin, how can I help? You know, and to be a member of our early strategic advisory board, um, you know, to, to, and, 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 and you bringing folks, mentoring folks, serving as a mentor, you know, for, for our members, helping us raise monies so that we can award scholarships, so we can award yeah. certification vouchers. And quite frankly, just being part of the community that isn't, you know, just talking about, you know, the underrepresentation under of women minorities in cyber, but actually doing something about it. And so, you know, we have been truly blessed, truly lucky. You know, we've knocked on several doors across our industry. We've gotten tremendous support you know, from, from the cybersecurity community or vendors, partners, um, you know, char charitable donors that have pitched in. We have so many folks volunteering as, as, as mentors. Um, you know, it's just been, you know, truly, truly rewarding to see the lives that we've changed, right? So, you know, each of us are firmly committed to continue to do what we can to answer you know, the, 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 the charge that certainly folks like, you know, uh, you know great leaders like Mahatma Gandhi, um, you know, famously quoted as saying, be the change you want to see, right? You know, and so we, we, we believe firmly that, you know, the mission of ICMCP is helping to answer that charge by trying to do what we can to be the, being the change in the industry that we would like to see um, by, you know, helping more women and people of color get into the field and grow, and not just get in, but also grow their careers um, as well once they're in. Yeah, I love it. So, so hey, Devin, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to love to hear more about ICMCP and what we're doing when, when we get back. Uh, don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from our special guest, the CISO of the Federal Reserve System and the co-founder of ICMCP, Devin Bryan. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Synet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Synet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Synet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Synet, S-I-N-E-T. Account takeover is the fastest growing form of cyber attack. Criminals exploit compromised accounts for financial gain, often causing irreparable and long-term damage to finances and reputation. Many companies think they're protected. They believe using a password manager, multi-factor authentication, behavior-based technology, password rotations, or solutions that scan the deep and dark web is enough. Yet the account takeover problem only continues to get worse. SpyCloud combines human intelligence and automated technology to prevent account takeover for your customers and employees. We recover stolen credentials early in the account takeover lifecycle before the credentials are sold on dark forums. Check your exposure for free at spycloud.com. We're not your typical security vendor. In fact, the script for this ad was written by an engineer, not a marketing guru. Because at Sock Prime, we're focused on features that matter to our users. Our threat detection marketplace has over 30,000 cross-platform SIM and EDR rules. Our downloadable Sigma, Yara, and Snort detections can be deployed with just a few clicks. And our map to the MITRE ATT&CK framework, enabling quicker and more strategic detection. With support from Sock Prime's veteran team and our community of contributors, we bridge the blue team skills gap and cover emerging threats with daily releases of new content. Nearly three-quarters of the threat detection marketplace is free to download. Register for free at tdm.sockprime.com with promo code RADIO2019 to receive one free key to unlock premium content. That's tdm.socprime.com. Promo code RADIO2019. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, CISO of the Federal Reserve System and co-founder of the ICMCP, Devin Bryan. 
So Devin, you highlighted the, obviously the cyber, the risk and the national security interests related to, um, you know, cybersecurity and, and just how much a threat um, other countries are to the way we live um, and the national security risks that we, we face. In essence, I feel like we are companies, you know, in the private sector fighting nations, right? And, and in order to do that, obviously we need to have diverse perspectives um, and diversity of talent. But what, what's ICMCP doing? What's the vision from ICMCP around getting, um, you know, really talented folks out of the military who have this very intimate knowledge of how to fight other nations um, and bring them into the private sector in cybersecurity? Yeah, great question, Andy. Um, so certainly, in addition to the risks that the U.S. face from a national security perspective, all right, from, you know, cyber attackers, um, you know, of equally, um, equal importance, of course, the national economic security risks, right, that cyber attackers um, pose to the U.S. And specific to your question, because, you know, you know, certainly when our, when our companies are you know, private enterprises get targeted, right? And we look at, you know, projections that cybercrime costs will exceed $6 trillion, you know, by 2021, according to internet research firm Cybersecurity Ventures. You know, that certainly speaks volumes to why is it so important that, you know, all the resources that can be marshaled to help to protect private sector companies be brought to bear, you know, towards doing so. You know, certainly we've also seen the trends in, you know, the annual Verizon data breach reports where, you know, mid and small sized businesses are increasingly being targeted because again, you know, in, 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 in many instances, they lack the resources the, 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 you know, to adequately protect themselves. You think of a small business owner where the IT admin is the sysadmin, is the you know, security admin, is the CFO, and on and on and on. <laughs> and so you know, certainly how can we, you know, to your point, you know, convert the warrior instincts of those who have placed their lives on the line in defense of our great nation, you know, and, 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 and convert them to being cyber warriors, right? Um, you know, so that certainly has been um, one of the core pillars of ICMCP's go forward strategy is our warrior to cyber warrior program that we have been, you know, working to get launched so that we can create a pathway, you know, for our servicemen and women um, to pivot from, you know, what they've been doing in the service of our country um, around the world to protecting the core industries that are so critical to the national economic security of, of the United States. Because the point you raised earlier, you know, as a soldier, as a sailor, as an airman, as a Coast Guard, you know, going through, you know, the, the training that we've gone through Certainly that laser focus on mission, that laser yep. focus on making sure that you've got the back of the person to the left and the person to your right when you're in the foxholes, making sure that, you know, you are laser focused on, you know, protecting the vital interests of, you know, whatever that, you know, entity is that you're supporting, be that country, be that corporation, be that, you know, on and on and on, right? But those are skills that, you know, that can certainly, um, you know, ought to be and, and can easily be transferred, you know, you know, to 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 cyber defense, right? And so yep. we we saw that as as critical, 
um, and a core component of you know ICMCB's mission, vision, and purpose to help to create pathways you know for our warriors to transition into being you know cyber warriors. And certainly, you know, being a vet myself, you know, always motivated you know to do all I can to help fellow vets, right? Um, you know, harness the full potential of their talents. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, it's fantastic. Right. And I think a lot of times, you know, men and women coming out of the military don't fully understand how their skills translate. Right. And, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time, right. As executives and, you know, mentors to help, um, folks make that transition. And, uh, yeah, I, I love, I love the concept and I'm, I'm, I'm in. So what, what I find interesting there is, you know, the, the, the skills that men and women in the military bring to the table, right? The critical thinking skills, the ability to communicate under stress, you know, to calm down and not be freaked out when things are going on you know, around them. Right. Those are all really valuable skills in, in any crisis management incident response scenario, regardless of it's physical or, or cyber in nature. Right. And so, there's some immediate skills right out, right out of the gate that they bring, even if they don't come from technical backgrounds. Right. And so, you know, getting their confidence high, I, I, I love it. <clears throat> I love it. So um, before, before we, we, we head on out, there's a couple more things I want to cover with you. Um, within IMCP, tell us a little bit more about the, the mentorship program. We've talked, you know, about mentoring and being mentors, but tell me a little bit about the, the ICMCP mentorship program. Yeah, that's, um, you know, that really is, you know, one of the flagship offerings that we provide, Andy, because as we've discussed earlier, it's certainly important to get folks into the field, right? But helping them grow and helping to retain them and helping them grow is also critically important, right? So, you know, traditional mentoring programs have been laser focused on, you know, kind of the entry level, um, you know, participants, right? Um, but it's also critically important that we cater to the needs of that mid-level manager who's trying to make it to, you know, the director level or that director that's trying to make it to the executive level or that executive that's trying to get to the CISO level, right? And so having a mutual match mentoring program, we saw yeah. as critical towards addressing that need. And so we've been, you know, so truly blessed to have folks who will give up, you know, a 30 minute, you know, hour, you know, each week or every other week, you know, to meet with a mentee, to offer them, you know, career career advice, you know, should I pursue this certification in before before this other one? You know, should I, you know, go all in on a PhD before I get the next cert? Or which PhD programs, you know, should, should I consider based on what I do, what I'm doing and where I want to be in five years? So just having somebody as a sounding board, somebody who's been there, who's walked a mile in that shoes prior to bounce ideas off, um, you know, has been, you know, truly beneficial um, to our membership. And, you know, certainly I'll take this opportunity to thank all those Who've, who've, been, who've volunteered to serve as our mentors, including yourself, Andy, that have helped to make our program so successful over the years. Yeah, no, listen, my pleasure and, and kudos to everyone who's involved. And if you're not involved out there, get, get involved in some form or fashion, right? It's worth, worthwhile cause. Um, so Devin, before we head out, what advice do you have for our fellow executives who are leading the cybersecurity charge in their organizations? What can you leave them with? I would say take a page out of the Andy book, right? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and, it's more like a comic strip. <laughs> I know, right? I know. 
<laughs> so, so I would say, going back to that example we started, you having a conversation with a young man at an Apple store about how can he, you know, break into cyber, right? If each of us as cyber practitioners was to reach out and change one life, just one life, right? And I, I give credit to Edna Conway, um, Global CISO for supply chain at Cisco for emphasizing that during one of our very first ICMCP conferences where her call to action was, you know, just one, right? Just make a positive impact, help to change the trajectory of one young woman, one person of minority, helping them, you know, in the field, we would have a dramatic um, you know, we'll see a dramatic change in the industry. Going back to the Mahatma Gandhi quote, we have to be the change, right? Because each of us as existing practitioners, you know, even if we don't have young daughters or, you know, we've got nieces, we've got nephews, we've got cousins, we've got other relatives who are looking to us as role model. And we have to, we owe it to them, to the generations that follow, you know, to break some of these stereotypes and to leave the industry a little bit better than 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 we found it. Um, in the words of you know the the late right Reverend Doctor Doctor Martin Luther King, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? Um, and as such, I certainly implore our existing practitioners to just you know spend a little bit of time, change one life, just one, just one. I love it. Right. We, we all owe our success to someone else. Right. And we've, we've stood on the shoulders of others that came before us. Right. And so uh, we got to keep paying it forward. I, I love the message, Devin. I really appreciate you coming on the show, buddy. Thank you. Andy, thank you so much for having me. Keep up the great job with Task Force 7 Radio. Love what you and George are doing. Keep striving, guys. We appreciate it. All right, folks, it's time for us to bounce up on out of here. Before we go, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay cool out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.